bags are packed, are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road Riding with you in the sunnier days I wouldn't want it any other way Hello and welcome to episode 169 of the Corinne Nidja podcast. I'm your host, Corinne Nidja, and today on the show... We have Dr. Scott Harrington, and he is a board-certified family medicine physician with over 17 years of experience. He started his career using the standard practices that most general practitioners or family medicine physicians use. Then he personally adopted a plant-based diet in 2012, and since then, His energy levels, exercise endurance, and recovery time dramatically improved. His weight, blood pressure, blood sugar, and hormone levels also normalized. And this convinced him, obviously, that he needed to be teaching his patients what he'd learned. And he'd learned that the plant-based diet had impressive effects with his patients. And many patients suffering from chronic illnesses improved dramatically, and many patients were able to stop all their medications. So now... Dr. Scott Harrington has opened up vegan primary care over in the United States. So he also offers Tally Health and he is licensed in, seems like, most of the states in the United States. I'm just looking at all of the states and I haven't counted them. I think it's about 42 or 42 or so states. So if you're looking for a vegan doctor, he can prescribe medication. If, if you're in the US, obviously, if you're contacting him for a consultation outside of the US, then he can't prescribe medications. He's not licensed to prescribe anywhere outside of the US. But still, he's such a great person to have as a, as a contact for yourself and your family, wherever you are in the world. So you can book an appointment on his website at www.veganprimarycare.com if you're looking for a vegan doctor to support you and your family. And you can book telehealth. You can go in person. I'm not sure what the COVID restrictions are over in the U.S., regarding in-person appointments at the time of this recording. So I guess you just check your local restrictions or um, call Dr. Harrington to make an appointment at the number on the website and and ask there. I am very excited to have him on the show. He was just <laughs> a joy and such a, so much energy coming from him. And the thing is, when we talk about that energy that we get, this increased energy, this increased vitality, you know, we get that because we eat, we're eating foods that are high in energy, high in nutrients, that are living foods, these beautiful, beautiful whole fruits, plants and, and vegetables. You know, when people talk about the energy that people on a whole food plant-based diet have, we're not eating dead foods, low vibration, dead foods. And I know that might sound a little bit out there as a concept, but for me, it really is that, you know, we're not eating these, the energy of suffering, of abuse, of violence that is, and of death that is in meat, eggs, dairy, and processed foods. This energy that's just a heavier, slow to digest, of, of course, of course, slow to digest and our bodies just it's just not a a light energy that comes from vibrant rainbow f- antioxidant filled plant foods it's incomparable you know when you're looking at a piece of f- flesh blood and muscle on your plate compared to you know beautiful berries and mango and banana and kale and all of these vibrant foods there's just no comparison I love the energy that Dr. Scott Harrington brings to the table, which is so much. And then the work that he's doing out there is so exciting. So yes, enjoy listening to Dr. Dr. Harrington. And I hope that you are having a great week. And I will see you at the end of the episode. Bye. You're all the way over in Australia in the future. That's what I always tell my guests in from America. 
You're in the future. Worldwide. Worldwide. <laughs> You're in the future. <gasps> I am in the future. Yeah, this is cool. You got it. I got to admit. Well, I mean, my practice is 100% telemedicine. So, um, you know, it's funny how we won't adopt a, a technology sometimes till we're forced to, right? Yes. Yes. Were you, were you online before COVID? Yeah, actually I was. I, I worked uh, with a telemedicine company. Uh, so uh, it was called American Well, and they, it was like, but it was all urgent care stuff. So people ca- called in with coughs and colds, and it, it just, I wasn't really um, in my calling. I wasn't able to, I would tell them, I, every time they uh, stubbed their toe or something, I'd be like, hey, have you heard about the vegan diet? Uh, <laughs> and they'd be like, hey, I stubbed my toe. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, vegan diet is going to help that wound go, you know, <laughs> a lot, heal up a lot faster. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. Finally, I'm like, I got to stop what I'm doing and I just got to open up my own practice online, you know, so. Well, here you are. You've done it. Vegan primary care. Now, I haven't even introduced you yet. We've just gone, I pressed record just then. I just thought may as well because what you're saying is great. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. What you're saying is great. But hello and welcome to the show, Dr. Scott Harrington. Yes, yes, Dr. Scott Harrington. It's very, very formal. Um, thank you. Thank you, Corinne, for letting me be on the show. I, I, I love a chance to uh, be able to uh, talk about my new practice, veganprimarycare.com, and any chance to reach out and spread the word about the vegan diet is, a, is, a, is good news for me. It's my passion, and I'm here to help. So uh, I, hopefully you've got some great questions for me, and, uh, and uh, I'll get able, be able to do that too. Yes. Yeah, so I, everyone who's listening, do know from last week's episode, if you're listening to that, that I just went on a Facebook stalking through my friends list recently. And I thought, you know what, my friends, I'm surely if I'm looking for podcast guests because I've been delayed in finding them and busy with school holidays, I can look through my Facebook friend list and I might find people who I don't know, but we've connected on, we've friended each other somewhere along the way. And I might have great people that I can have as guests on the show. And you were one of them. I feel I, that is so cool. Because yeah, we we obviously we're running in the same we're running in the same circles here in Facebook, so we might as well be uh, talking face to face. Exactly. <laughs> this is this is this is where it should go, where you become real life connected rather than just Facebook in the list without ever talking. So I'm excited to own my own st- Facebook stalking and say that I just <laughs> scrolled and clicked on names where I thought we have lots of friends. Maybe they're in the same area that I would like to interview and here you are. See, you thought I might have been a robot, but I'm actually a real person. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm actually really excited to hear that you're working online because people who are listening here in Australia could could potentially connect with you if they resonate with this episode and they're and they're thinking that they want a different person to talk to about their health. They could make it perhaps is that is that accurate? Could they make an online booking with you over there in the United States? Absolutely. Absolutely. You would just go on veganprimarycare.com and book an appointment. There's a booking booking site at the top. Um, you know, uh, as, a, as, a, as a doctor who is licensed in the United States, I can see patients in the United States in a state that I'm licensed. I'm licensed in most U.S. states, over, over 42 states. But internationally, I can't be your primary care doctor. But I can I can't prescribe medicines and stuff for you. But coaching and advise and, and that sort. Of, but you would want to have your own doctor back home, uh, you know. So, but that, it's still good point. Good point. Yeah. But still, I would I I would still reach out because there's if I'm obviously if I didn't have a stub if I had a stub toe I probably wouldn't go to come to you. But, <laughs> but if I just wanted to ask some questions about transitioning to a vegan diet or about raising kids vegan, I think that's still an invaluable conversation to have with someone like yourself. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, you don't you don't have to um, get a prescription or something. Uh, and there's still so much more. I really feel that my the the biggest part of my job, the most of the time that I spend, is convincing people for lifestyle uh, changes. So in that way, I'm sort of a mini psychiatrist or a psych- mini psychologist. I'm always trying to figure out what resonates with them that will get them to, uh, you know, make the healthy change. So uh, none of that is actually medical where I'm prescribing pills, although I can do any of that uh, where I'm licensed. Yeah. Yes. Can I, 
on that subject, because I think it's fascinating, uh, what do you think of all the things you've tried? Is there something that you're like, this strategy, this approach gets more people over the line to making the switch to a plant-based diet than anything else? Like, is there something that you're saying that that, that, that that's my go-to because it works a lot of the time? You know, it's funny. Uh, Dr. Greger, you know, Dr. Greger, he's big, you yes. know, uh, I consider him vegan royalty along, along with the, uh, some of the other folks. Uh, he came around and I was, I reserved that question for him. I'm like, what is it the thing that just, that you find that gets people? And, and, and he, you know, he, he kind of, he didn't give a perfect answer. He, he's, he's, because I, I, I prepped the question by saying, including things like motivational interviewing, which is doctor speak, which is for finding out what, what makes people tick. And, and so, yes, it's a doctor uh, thing that he used to help people with smoking. You know, what, what can get you to quit smoking? And so he's like, yeah, motivational interviewing. And he told me a couple of other things, but that's really the key. You have to find out, you have to dig in and find out why people want to be healthy. And for some people, it's vanity. I want to look good. You know, for some people, it, it's, uh, you know, uh, I'm a family man or, a fam- you know, you know, I have I, I want to live a long time and be a good uh, um, provider for my kids. Uh, you know, I've got more stuff to do. You know, some people have a passion that. Uh, so you have to find that thing that uh, why they want to be healthy and that will help them change. Yes, that is a really profound kind of way of of viewing it and and approaching it because I think that we all, myself included, can go to people and be like, you should change because of this. This is my motivation for changing. You should want to do it because of the same reasons that I want to do it. But everyone has their own reasons for wanting to change or not change. And, yeah, it's asking that question, why do you want to be healthy? What's important to you can really help you guide your next question or your next tactic with that person, you know, with getting them on board with making a switch to a plant-based diet, for instance. If they say that they don't care about their health but they want to be here for their son's graduation, then you're not going to say the things you would say to someone who cares about their health and vice versa. Right, right. Yeah, you you find the uh, incongruent behaviour where it's, it's like, well, I'm going to eat whatever I want because I can do that. I can eat whatever I want because I'm tough and I, 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 uh, no one rules me. But then they, they might go around and say, but I want to, you know, I want to be around for my kid's graduation and, and my grandkid's wedding. And they say, well, th- those two behaviors don't match up. You know, you can't just, you know, throw caution to the wind if you want to be around and or something like that. That's uh, like Family Doctor 101. Because that, that's, the, that's the, the standard. You're trying to get people to live a healthy life. Uh, and so as a family doctor, I really, I chose to be a family doctor. Did, didn't choose to be some surgeon person who doesn't, you know, is in surgery all day, not, you know, talking to patients who are asleep. I, 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 want, I, I vibe with patients and I try to, it, it's the thing that uh, gives me joy. You know, if I'm just sitting here pressing buttons and prescribing pills, then uh, that's no fun. I want to learn about the patients. And, you know, with the psychologists, the, the, the picture of the, uh, of the couch, you know, and the, the patients on the couch and, and you're just listening and they say something and you say, well, how do you feel about that? You know, and it's like always turning it back on them. And usually you can get down to it pretty quick um, what, what their inner motivation is or what, what might drive them. Yes. I think it's really an excellent, excellent, excellent point that many of us won't wouldn't have thought of. So thank you for sharing that. But I wanted to know what what got you here as a vegan in vegan primary care doctor? Like how did you get here because it's not the road most traveled? Yeah, I uh I was my my parents, I'll start with my 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 where I was raised in Daytona yeah. Beach. Daytona Beach, Florida. Uh my dad was a welder, my mom cleaned houses and she's an artist and uh they didn't. They couldn't really afford to send me to college, so I went into the army. I went to West Point, United States Military Academy, and went to the army, and uh, I, I became a doctor through the army. I did residency uh, at uh, Fort Bragg, and so I had a very sort of, you know, strong military background. And 
and the Fort Fort Bragg uh, is the home of the Airborne, uh, so these paratroopers and everything. And uh, and at Fort Bragg, we learn gold standard Western medicine. Uh, and in the in the army, uh, they want the family doctors to do a little bit of everything. So I delivered babies and I did procedures like vasectomies and all sorts of and. Uh, and in the army, they sent me away to different places, deployed me, and so I, I got this sort of really varied background. Wow, that's a really interesting journey, like a really interesting way of getting into this. I'm glad I asked. Yeah, so people, a lot of times, people don't know that about me when I say, "Oh, being in primary care." Well, I had this whole life as you know, military. I'm still actually in the military reserves as a doctor there too. So, but along in the military, you know, they make you run. They make you run. And my vegan story comes from the fact that having to run and gaining one or two pounds a year with the standard American diet, even though I thought I was doing the right thing, you know, a lot of protein, animal protein, um, I started to gain and, and my run time started to suffer. And with my with my patients in family medicine, I tell them all, hey, you got to lose weight, you got to lose weight. But no one seemed to actually be successful. So I was like, I'm a doctor. I need to lose weight. I'm going to do this. No problem. I'm just going to eat less and exercise more and I'm going to lose weight. No problem. I've got strong willpower, but I failed miserably. I failed. And then I lost hope. Like, oh no, all my patients, I, I tell them and they can't do it. I can't do it. We've lost hope. They're just going to keep getting worse and worse and there's nothing I can do. That's when uh, a, uh, a special forces soldier who I worked with was, hey, you got to watch this movie Forks Over Knives. It's amazing. And that was 2012. I watched Forks Over Knives. I realized, oh my God, this this is this is the right way to eat. This is the thing I've been missing. I stopped eating animal products, and six to twelve weeks, all my medical problems were solved. I got down to my 18-year-old weight. You've heard the story over and over again. You know, heartburn went away, acne improved, constipation, blood pressure, my testosterone went up, and all sorts of things. I got better. My sleep got better. My energy got better. And, and so then here I am surrounded by all these like tough army guys and girls too, tough army girls. I'm, I'm glad you corrected that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, uh, you know, telling people about the vegan diet and a lot of people were like, oh, Doc Harrington, oh, he's, you know, a tree hugger or this and that. But you have to lead by example. You know, you have to show them, hey, I'm. Uh, as I got older in the army, a lot of the younger soldiers would see me running right alongside them and then be impressed, like, wow, what, what is he eating? That, that was sort of my big thing, just sort of leading by example. It was the easiest way to convert mm. people, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it's a great way. And you were talking about people saying that you're a tree, you know, you joked about commenting that you're a tree yeah. hugger, but how was it? Because you're in the military and you're making this change, which is socially I wish it wasn't the case, but from many men, especially socially considered, I don't know, an effeminate way of eating. <laughs> yeah. Because we're meant to eat them. You know, meat makes you strong like an ox, you know, that, that kind of mentality, which Game Changers, you know, has, has rebuked. But that mentality, not everyone's watched Game Changers. And so the world's still not on the same pages as you and I. But how was it in the military to make that change and then be suddenly this this masculine man who's no longer eating the things that make you manly? In inverted commas. Yeah, yeah. I uh, so a big a big you know a lot of folks in the military are into into guns and into hunting, and uh, you can as you can imagine, and one of the the soldiers who I who I highly respect and he, he's he's got a great sense of humor. And he, he would say, Doc, Doc, I, I noticed that your eyes, your eyes, they seem to be coming to the side of your head. And he, he's talking about uh, how certain animals, you know, like herbivores have their eyes on the side of their head. Like he was, you know, like deers or deer or something. And uh, I, I, I didn't understand what he was talking about at first, but he was trying to say I was turning into like, you know, a total vegetarian, you know, animal. And uh, so I had to laugh. But you know, they could make fun of me and, and I, I sort of welcomed it because it would bring out the subject in, into um, and, and I, I've got thick skin. I can take it. You know, I'm not going to um, back down necessarily from that. Um, but like I said, it was like I was I was a little bit older than some of the other folks. And but they but I appeared like a young like a younger soldier. 
and so just just by uh, being able to keep up with them on on many uh, physical aspects, it was that was the thing that really um, got them to kind of change their mind. I was able to change a lot of minds, but some of them did. Some of them uh, kept going with their old ways. But I feel like after Game Changers has come out, it's only a matter of time. I really feel like we've hit this tipping point, and uh, it, it won't be long where. If your doctor's not vegan, you're like, hey, I'm not going to see them. Absolutely. I cannot wait for that. (laughs) I cannot wait for that to happen. So when you made that change now, it's been all sunny and roses and you've lost weight and your skin's improved and you're sleeping better and you've got more energy and all of those things and your runtime's improved. But was it just smooth sailing or were there challenges along the way for you? I am glad you asked about the challenges because, as you know, everyone's worried about carbs. Everyone is laser focused on eating a ton of protein and everyone's scared about carbs. That's what we've all been told. Carbs are going to make you fat and give you diabetes and X, Y, Z. So when I switched over, after I saw Forks Over Knives, I jumped head first and I ate a lot of fruit fruits and vegetables but I didn't eat very much very much carbs because I was worried that you know carbs are gonna raise my sugar and I I felt fatigued and I was felt really hungry and but my mom when I was a kid my mom had Dr. McDougal's book really you know back way back in the day she was you know a health nut and always reading all sorts of different diet books go mom I remembered uh Dr. McDougal and then you know I start to focus on him and then I realized oh my gosh starch solution what why am I hiding away from these carbs I switched back to carbs as the center of my meals and that everything improved and now basically I'm a starchivore pretty much just eat mostly carbs a little bit of veggies on the side and fruit for dessert and uh my health's never been better. Yes. That is excellent. And I do I love that you mentioned carbs because, you know, we all have we all have been fearful of carbs. And I think we all have people around us who think like, how can you eat so many potatoes in one sitting? Or how can you eat all that rice? Aren't you gonna get fat? And 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 it's it is still such a an area that needs a lot of growth around society, that this fear of carbs when a donut isn't carbs, a donut is oil. <laughs> right. It's really fatty, fatty dough, right? Yeah. But people don't see it as fatty dough. They don't see the cakes as egg and butter. They see them as carbs. They don't see the biscuits as eggs and butter and milk. They see them as carbs. And you're thinking, no, no, don't blame the the flour, blame everything else that's in that. <laughs> right. One, one of the things uh, with, with the carbs there is when people think about what they're going to eat tonight, they may say, if, if before I went vegan, you would ask me, what are you going to have for dinner? I'd say, oh, I'm having chicken. And when you tell someone you're having chicken for dinner, you imagine, okay, they're having a little piece of, you know, baked chicken with some little veggies on the side and, you know, little bit of carbs and you can sort of imagine it or you say, Oh, I'm having steak or whatever. So when I, when I tell people they have to sort of get those old notions out of their mind and imagine the carb as the center, you know, I'm having rice, I'm having, you know, rice and beans, I'm having pasta, I'm having even things like bread. You can think of bruschetta and pasta, potatoes, quinoa, rice. So yeah, once they think of that, then they can think of the uh, vegetables on the side and the fruit for dessert, and it's it's an easy way to think about it. Yes, true, true, true. And I wanted to talk about that. So how? What was your standard weight? What was your typical like dinner before you? Because some people, when I we have guests like yourself who are like, yes, I did it. It was great. They offer. I think people think, oh, perhaps they were mostly plant-based and they it was easy switch for them because they only had to get rid of fish right but what was your typical dinner before this like your favorite standard american diet meal i i was eating the standard american stuff i mean i I was i wasn't i wasn't eating uh like ribs and stuff with like just fat hanging off of it. I was re- relatively conscious about lean meat. So I was a, a lean meat type of person and I was eating a lot of eggs. Eggs is the perfect food. Oh Lord. 
I was just, uh, yeah, cholesterol was up. I started to have a little mild blood pressure, you know, not high enough to be treated. I was like 135 over 85. Uh, so yeah, the standard, you know, barbecue, chicken, barbecue, a steak and pork chops and all sorts of uh, unhealthy foods. And so when you talking about making the, the shift, was it an overnight shift or did it take some time? Did you, did you transition to plant to vegan living or did you, did you go just cold carrots? I was, I was cold, cold carrot. I was cold carrot. I love it, Corinne. That is now part of my vocabulary, cold carrot. <laughs> oh man. Yeah, yeah, I guess I wish I almost had I wish I had this documented sort of my uh, transition because I did I, and and I'm sure some of my meals in the beginning were ridiculous. Basically, it were just huge plates of veggies. <laughs> Raw and you know, huge salads and uh, I, I I I can remember just you know, eating huge plates of fruit and so yeah, without the carbs it was I was a little more gassy probably than I should have and 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 at first, you know, my, my family members, they weren't totally on board, you know. So some of it was just that I was eating the side dishes that I, we were cooking just regular meals and I would just eat the side dishes. I, di- I did have this one experience where we went to a, a, an Italian, it was like a pizza joint. And you know how a lot of times they'll have the, the salad and they made it family style where we just got this huge salad, a huge salad bowl. And I ate the whole dang salad all by myself. And that was the first time where I had actually had like pain from eating too many, too much fiber. You know, it was just so, so much that I was actually kind of like, oh man. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. On that, when you were talking about that, starting with size and not quite knowing what you're doing. And I love that because we all kind of go through that clunk, that clunky moments but with your family how was it for them when you made this choice you know i think maybe they thought it was a fad for a little bit you know but uh, uh forks over knives is really convincing and my wife watched it too and she and she was like wow this you know this is pretty impressive and uh it was but her change was a little bit more gradual i wanted to see i wanted to see the 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 benefits right away you know uh like I've done things like I've done water fasts and stuff so that I can I can see the benefits because my, my, this is going to be my primary treatment for patients and stuff. I want to know. I want to know what they what they would be going through. So, um, yeah, I went I went in full force. So for, for my family, uh, yeah, at first we at first and this and I tell patients this I tell patients you can take in if you have a family member that's resistant. You can take all the standard American meals and you can eat the side dishes or like if you make a stir fry, you can have the you could put chicken on the side and you can add that for your for your spouse. The the heart the hardest part is our kids because kids basically they'll eat like chicken nuggets and cheese and pizza and <laughs> everything green is off the menu and all this stuff. So but but uh, kids will eat fruit. Kids will eat fruit. So you, you start them with that and kids generally will eat carbs. Uh, to a certain extent. And uh, for for veggies, you kind of have to include some sauces or uh, things and, and make them small enough that they're not intimidating. Because I, I can remember when I was young, where my parents were like, you're going to eat this bowl of spinach or something. And it was all wilty and nasty. And, and I kind of had an aversion to spinach for a little while because when you're forced to eat something as a kid, it can really gross you out. Totally. It's like peas, peas and carrots, cooked peas and carrots for me. That was That was a big... A version. I still with cooked carrots. I'm like, it, it brings you back. It brings me back because I grew up on a carrot farm, <laughs> so there was just carrots, carrots, carrots everywhere. I turned, and so I think I think that the carrot farm growing up was just turned me off carrots. But I love a raw a carrot. Carrot farm. Oh my gosh. Yeah, carrot farm. But that it's just totally true. When I, when I put broccoli on my son's plates, and I, we, they they like broccoli, but if it's a big chunk, then they're Oh, but if I put it in a small chunk, it makes a difference. Size, size matters in this. In this size sense. matters. Um, so here's here's some here's some tips with kids. Here's some tips with kids. Please go. All right, I love riffing about this because if you think about uh, our tastes, is totally learned, right? Because you have uh, so Hispanic children who eat spicy like jalapeno food, uh, or you have Japanese children who are eating miso or some sort of sushi food or something that. Maybe the standard person, I don't know, like standard Western person might not 
eat or a kid might not eat. Oh, that's too spicy or something. Our, our tastes are basically learned. I mean, except probably fruit, I mean, or, you know, stuff like that. That's like candy to your mouth. But, but um, imagine your taste of being a learned behavior like a song is a learned behavior. When I first hear a song, unless it is like super duper catchy, I basically don't like it. You know, I'm like, ah, so I could take it or leave it or it's not that great. But it takes, you know, 10, 12, 15 times of hearing a song. When, when the song starts to come on, you can anticipate kind of what the song's going to say and you are totally into it. And it's kind of like taste. They've proven that taste take 15, 20 times of tasting it before you can become familiar. You expect the taste, you expect the flavor, the mouthfeel. And, um, and so for a child, you cannot expect them to like the food basically immediately. You, you're doling it out to them in little non-scary chunks, little tastes, little bits. So a parent, you can't just like give them a food and, and you know, tell them to stay there. You're, you can't leave the table until you've totally eaten this. That's just going to create an aversion and they're going to hate it even more. They're going to have a gag reflex when they see the food. And, and so you can use this sort of like taste test. A, a good trick too is to put one food uh, to put like the same like okay let's say carrots right you're trying to learn how to like carrot you know you could give them three carrots and give three different uh, sauces and have them which sauce do you like better and they're tasting yeah. the sauces with the carrot vehicle and it's like I don't know it's a little little That's trick a little taste really test trick. really good idea. Our house, my poor kids, I am just a hummus-obsessed, cliche vegan. <laughs> Do you have hummus over there? Yeah. yeah. We love hummus. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so hummus, hummus, we have it over here. And I'm, so my poor kids, because I'm just, that's what we have. <laughs> that's our hummus. And I think that they're all they're thinking like, we should have a different, we should have different, you know, what, you know how you nail, you nail the things that you think these are really good, hummus and oats. I like them. They're slow burn. I like them. But the kids are thinking, you know, this is getting a bit boring. Can we have other things for breakfast? With hummus, I'm like, it's just great in so many different ways <laughs> for so many different reasons. Just love it. Like they do, they do love it. But I think probably should put beetroot in it sometimes or pumpkin in it or I should get them an eggplant, baba ganoush thing or I could try. But I'm stuck in my ways. So I have to start branching out. So different sources is a good tip from me because I – they're probably just a bit sick of the hummus. Okay, but you kind of mentioned something here, and this harkens back to what I was talking about before. So if you're in a tribe, okay, and the tribe lives in a certain geographic area, and they have pumpkins or something, pumpkins, 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 they are going to eat a lot of pumpkins. And there's going to be zero kids in the tribe that don't like pumpkins. Because, I mean, that's what you're given every day. It's like pumpkin, 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 that's what you're eating. Uh, and, and so... The kids basically will eat what you eat. And if they see the younger kids see older kids eating the food, that's another huge peer pressure, peer acceptance. Um, it's like, hey, everybody likes this song. This song must be good. <laughs> you, you're, kind of, you're kind of relying on the, your peers to, to what, what is um, acceptable. You know, that's another kind of trick. That's really great. It's really great. My son he goes to school with Novi. With, with, maybe there's like one vegan in his grade area. Yesterday he had a new kid come to the schools. This for this, our school year started last Thursday. And he said, oh, I've met this new friend and his lunchbox looks like mine. It makes such a difference. Oh, my gosh, it does. Iggy was like, his lunchbox looks like mine. And you could see him going and he's eaten more of his lunch in the last few days than he has for the last four years I think because Kai is also eating fruits and vegetables in his lunchbox. So it makes a huge difference. I love that you say that. I mean, I just feel so good for your son. I feel so good for him now because it's hard feeling like an outsider. Totally. You know? I, I really yeah. felt I, I could feel him being like, oh, I'm a bit I'm a bit more normal. <laughs> Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Sorry, I interrupted you. You were on a yeah. flow about the pumpkins. And yeah, the yeah, the pumpkins. Okay, but, uh, I, you know, I think I've hit the things about the kids, uh, getting the kids to eat. They, they have to be exposed to it a lot. They uh, have to see, you know, you have to lead by example. 
another big one is getting them to cook, getting them involved in the cooking and like, what spices should we put in this, you know, stuff? And, and if they feel like, you know, they're just kind of more interested and more, more invested in it, that I, that's easy to say, kind of hard to do, but the more you can involve them in the cooking process and the decision process, uh, they tend to like it more, I think. I, I completely agree. And it has been true for all of my, like my vegan friends and family and you know, my, my own family. And it is just because they actually, we don't give them the credit that they, they would like to try and learn and explore vegetables and spices and help out more in the kitchen and with the recipes like it's it's like just the choosing of new recipes like kids love that stuff they love to feel like they're in control too you know like they don't have control they don't have a huge dominion over the world you know it's just they're what they have is very little uh, scope so anything like that they just oh it energizes them totally totally so eating the same thing every day tell us more about that because i interrupted okay well you know uh, in australia there's the spud fit guy and he he he's eating the same thing every day for a whole year you know potatoes he's in medical school i love it i'm so excited about uh andrew taylor he's the yes andrew hi andrew yes yes so uh but one of the things that people have problems with is selecting the food they want and and feel and they just kind of go back to their old ways so one technique is to come up with like three easy vegan meals that you can always use as the fallback you know it's kind of like with exercise you know you might you might feel overwhelmed about coming up with some huge workout plan but you can always say well if it's if it's if it's storming outside i'm going to do 100 sit-ups or something like that you know so with with the diet you could say well i'm always gonna i'm always gonna have oatmeal for breakfast it's super easy it turns out oatmeal is always instant unless it's the steel cut stuff. You just take one part oatmeal, two part water, put it in a high, high wall dish and throw it in the microwave for like a minute, minute and a half. It's so easy. You don't have to like cook it on the stove and have it pour all over the place. Super easy. You, for, for lunch, the standard is you wanna have a little salad, probably a salad and uh, something like a bean burrito. Bean burrito, it's like super easy uh, or rice and beans and then uh, for dinner, you, you can come up with a, a certain strategy, but I, I, I have this uh, days of the week vegan vegan meals, and, and it's ethnic meals. So, you ready for this? Yes, I'm ready. Monday, manja Monday, manja Monday. So Italian, Mediterranean, Mediterranean food, you know, Greek food, and you know, uh, Persian food, even if you wanted to. Okay, uh, Tuesday, Taco Tuesday. So Mexican food, boom, super super uh, vegan. Uh, Wednesday, I call it Walk Wednesday with all sorts of Asian food or Indian food, Thai food, you know, walk. Uh, so a little. Yeah, that's great. This is American thing. Uh, tea for uh, or Thursday, Thanksgiving Thursday. And Thanksgiving, a lot of times they'll use roasted veggies and roasted, uh, you know, so you could do the um, carrots. Uh oh, carrots. <laughs> carrots. Not for me, Sorry, but for, for everyone else. <laughs> parsnips for you. Yeah, yeah or, parsnips uh, for me. Yeah, potatoes, sweet potatoes. You cook them. You could even do like the cranberry relish or something on the side, or rice or something. F- Fridays, fun food Friday. So different frozen meals that might be vegan. In the U.S., we have Amy's, Amy's vegan uh, frozen meals and Kashi. Uh, but you could find like a local, a local uh, frozen meal that you like. Uh, veggie burgers. Saturday, soul food Saturday. Ooh. So soul food contains some really good vegan foods like, uh, you know, greens and yams and black eyed peas and or other uh, sort of social meals that you would eat on like a picnic. You could do that. And then Sunday is an American thing too. soup or bowl Sunday. <laughs> have this soup and I call it soup or bowl where you make a big, you know, like a vegan chili or, or vegan lentil soup you know, or a casserole that you can eat throughout the week and do meal prep. I love that so much. Yeah. So that, that's a, it just gives people a mindset like, Hey, I can, I can do any of these meals. I can veganize them and you know, I don't have to, and I can even make meals that I could, I could have half and half. Totally. And they're all meals. What I like about it is they're all things like a wok foods aren't typically well they're not always as great for the next day i find them they're better fresh but everything else is really great because you can just make a batch and eat that the next day for lunch as well perfect leftovers for lunch leftover gosh i like i like how you play with your words because it's it's very makes it more fun i like that 
So, but you mentioned, and I wanted to bring it up again, talking about when you transitioned and a lot of people that I've worked with or spoke to, my dad, <laughs> my dad, my mom, but other people talk about the gas when we start. And that's probably too much information for everyone, but I'm a very too much information type of gal. So I'm all right with that. But the gas in the beginning and people, my dad will say when he comes to our house, oh my gosh, I always get the farts when I go to your house and eat your vegan food. <laughs> and but the thing is, I when I go to their house and I eat their food, the same kind of thing happens to me because I'm eating a different way of eating when I go to mum and dad's. I'm still vegan, but it's there's my mum sometimes puts oil on when I don't eat oil or she'll give me what well, I don't eat bread, but there'll be bread or something something that I won't normally eat when I'm there. Or I might have a vegan some I don't know. When you're visiting I find that my when I'm visiting my folks house, I regress to a sixteen year old and dad's got hard boiled lolly and I think, oh better have one. <laughs> and I just don't feel as good whenever I'm Whenever I'm there. But just talking about that farts when you get to making the switch to a vegan diet and you said that the fibre, but why is it that we get gas when we're making a switch to a more plant-rich diet? Great question, Corinne. And, I, you know, you bring up some funny points. I love it. You know, as a doctor, I love talking about gross things. I like being the person that you can talk about gross things with, you know. <laughs> I, I want to hear it. Um, so... With uh, first off, first off, there's a couple of things we can talk about. We can talk about the microbiome, and we can talk about the benefit of you know uh, of the gas or the you know the voluminous bowel movements. And uh, one of one of the things I, I joke around, one of my favorite jokes about this is the poop emoji. Mm-hmm. The poop emoji. I assume, I assume, and I don't know if this is correct or not, but I'm assuming emojis came from Japan. I, okay. I, I can only assume. I, I don't know. They're cute and fun and expressive. I like that. Yeah. And, and it's the shape of the poop emoji mm. is a big pile, yes. a big pile of soft serve, right? <laughs> if, you know, if the Westerners made the emoji, it would look like a torpedo. True. <laughs> That's just sort of a joke. But my, my joke to my patients is I want you to have huge, voluminous, soft serve bowel movements. Yes. And that is what, if your bowel movements are not like that, you're doing something wrong. You need to be eating more roughage, more whole food. Mm. And so um, I know that's kind of a joke. I like that joke because that, that was definitely would have resonated with me before I went vegan. You'd be like, what? What's he talking about? Poop? Poop emoji? What? Um, no, but yeah, before you, but before you make the switch, it is a torpedo. Like it is <laughs> a vastly different emoji that would have existed <laughs> if... If Westerners made the emojis. Well, I always talk about uh, about the bowel movements with my patients because it's going to change dramatically. And they people think they're, they're – everybody calls me up and says, Doc, I think I'm having diarrhea or I think – I think there's something wrong with me. You know, I'm having these huge bowel movements, sometimes more than one per day. And, you know, it, it's uh, – I can really feel my, you know, guts kind of moving. You know, I can feel like sometimes a little bloating. And my a little bit is, is normal. A little bit uh, is is reasonable. And and as this uh, fiber is in the in the guts, the um, the bacteria will turn some of those uh, indigestible fibers into butyrate, which is a, a compound that is um, it is preventative for infl- it's anti-inflammatory for the lining of the gut. So uh, some blind in bowel loops, like when people have certain um, uh, surgeries. Uh, that are not getting bathed with the butyrate will stay chronically inflamed and they have a hard time with it. And so that that's just a, a small point. But um, when you're changing meals, I love that you brought out, Corinne, that when you go home and you eat a different type of food, then you feel gassy because – and, and the, the, uh, the example I bring out here are infants. Infants. One of the classic problems that this relates to is you have an infant and you bring the infant to your doctor – uh, and it's a formula bed fed baby. And they say, well, you know, why don't we change up the formula? They're colicky. And you change up the formula and it makes them more colicky because you're, you're switching the food that's, that their microbiome gets used to eating. Uh, and then so they get more colicky. So this is something that I kind of observed in infants. And so I relate that to adults who are dramatically changing your uh, your food intake. Oh, okay. So what you have to think of this uh, biological process inside is a steady state. 
you, you're, the bacteria that are formed in your gut are kind of perfectly designed to, you know, or they have evolved to eat the food that you're eating and to metabolize it in the most efficient way. And so whenever there's a switch in that, you have uh, potentially uh, inefficient digestion and more gas forming into that. So four to five days when you switch, you're going to you're going to be kind of in turmoil in terms of your gut. Yes. Okay. All right. That makes that that makes more sense. That makes more sense. And I think like it's kind of common sense. Like you would be full of these. I don't want to call them creatures, bacteria, (laughs) life forms (laughs) in us. And they're used to eating a certain way. So you can imagine that they would get a bit. What's the word I'm looking for? Up in arms. Yeah, up in arms when they suddenly <laughs> get things that they're not used to digesting. It's like starting a whole different job, but they're surprised, being surprised about going to work and being told, no, today you're, you're a mechanic today. And you're like, oh, I'm not used to doing that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I tell people not to worry. Four or five days and you should be getting back. You know, you can, you know, eat a little bit less fiber in the beginning, uh, and, and kind of work yourself up. You know, people say, oh, beans, beans are so gas-forming, and they, they are kind of more gas-forming than, and, than, you know, they have more resistant starch and stuff than regular. Than steak. Yeah. So if, if, you're just, if, you're, if you're totally averse to beans before, start off with a smaller portion and kind of work your way up. But uh, don't don't let gas don't let gas is normal. You know, there's that there's that book, that kids book. Everybody farts. You know, everybody poops. Everybody farts. And hey, you know, Dr. Clapper, he says, enjoy it. <laughs> <laughs> I um, love uh, that. I quote that uh, for him. Yeah, yeah. Enjoy it. Yeah. I know you've had Dr. Clapper on uh, on your t- uh, on your podcast. He is great. I love Dr. Clapper. He's he's just fantastic. I love him so much. So two. Final questions. One is how long has this been for you? Like how long have you been working in this way and how has it changed the way you practice medicine? I watched the Forks Over Knives movie in 2012 and and immediately switched over and it completely changed my practice. And now it's my number one recommendation is for people to go plant-based. And it was such a a deal for me, you know, like with smoking cessation, only one to 2% uh, Back in the heyday of smoking, when you tell someone to switch like that, a big life change, you only get one to two percent of people who will actually switch. So I decided, hey, I'm going to open up vegan primary care, and I'm going to have mostly vegan patients, so I don't have to spend all my time convincing them and this and that. I can work on just t- small tweaks. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, my goal is to cure people of their of their chronic illnesses like blood pressure and type two diabetes and high cholesterol and. Before I went vegan, I had started to lose hope because I was just pushing pills. And now I have that potential where I could actually change their life. And so that's, you know, what, what more could I hope for? That is, that's a, it's, that's a great uh, experience. That is incredible. And I actually feel like it's such an important distinction between yourself and other practitioners having that vegan primary care because there are so many vegans who you know are vegan for the animals they went vegan ethically and they and they just don't quite know how to make it work long term for them with their health and so having someone like yourself they're out there in the world where they can look up you know a vegan primary care practitioner you know in 42 states in the US and have someone who can say do this tweak, tweak that. Have you thought about this? Have you added in this? You know, what else can we, you know, give them options of how how they can make veganism work for them long term? Absolutely. One, one of the sort of selling points for uh, my uh, patients in the U.S. is that because I was a telemedicine provider with these different companies before, I got lot, a lot of licenses. So when Nowadays, we move around a lot with jobs and things. So people can have me in Florida and then they move to Alabama and I can still be their doctor or you know, that sort of thing. That's, that's, that's a selling point. And, and uh, being, being a home base, being a home base for the vegan community, I, uh, I, I'm here to help, to heal, to answer questions. People can come in just if they want a consult. They just want to talk. Uh, they have a medical problem that they want, want to know about. 
we we take insurance and we take cash and um and so I just want to be accessible to everyone. I love that. I really love that. And so what would be your top three tips for people who are wanting to make the transition but are unsure or they've already made the transition but they're not they're not feeling great and they're wanting some advice? What would be your top three tips? It's never too late. It's never too late. Because people say, you know, oh, it's, you know, they're 80 years old. Oh, it's too old to change. I mean, if you make the shift, you can dramatically improve your life the time you have left. It's not a fad. It's here to stay. It's only going to get more and more. So why, might as well start now. Be on, be on, the, <laughs> be on the early uh, front line. Yeah, be on the front line. Don't complicate it. Don't complicate it. Just get a couple of meals that you're really good at, that, that you're already used to doing, that are almost vegan. Veganize them and just do it. Just do it. Just do it. It's it's easy and it's fun. It's so much fun because before it was like, what are you having for dinner? Oh, chicken, steak, pork chops. That's three options. With veggies, you got you know unlimited options. You know, it opens up a new world. It's great. Absolutely does. Thank you so much, Scott, for coming on the show. It was great speaking with you. All right, Corinne, you fired me up. I've had a great time. This has been a, a joy for me. Oh, excellent. Thank you. Thank you so much, Dr. Harrington, for coming on the show. It was great chatting with you. I absolutely loved getting to meet you and hear your story. And I'm always so excited to hear from more and more and more vegan practitioners and healthcare professionals out there in the world. If you know one and I haven't interviewed them, please message me in the comments or email me and let me know. I would love to hear and interview the people that you're excited by, that you're wanting to share with with all of us. So please send me a send me a DM and let me know. Send me a message and let me know if you have anyone else that you would like me to interview. But I get so excited knowing that there are more and more and more plant-based board certified physicians out there in the United States and all over the world doing this work, supporting their patients and changing the changing the face of medicine as we know it, changing the face of health and healing, really opening their patients' minds to the benefits of nutrition and healing, the importance of nutrition and healing and health and well-being. It really gets me so excited. So thank you again for listening. Thank you again, Scott, for coming on the show. Please head to veganprimarycare.com to book in with Dr. Scott Harrington and follow him on social media at Vegan Primary Care. And I'll see you all again next week. Bye. Bags are packed. Are you ready to go? This time tomorrow we'll be on the road. Riding with you in the sunnier 